755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome, 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's happening out in Seattle, Eric? Still on uh, still lockdown, just, just hanging out, waiting to sting out. Man, I feel for you guys. It's bad here too, though, dude. Atlanta's right up there. It's terrible. It's terrible everywhere. Anyway, let's try to get away from that. We got a much more upbeat uh, guest today, one that everybody is going to be happy to hear from, I'm sure. Special guest, we're honored to have Kelsey Wingert with us. What's up, (laughs) Kelsey? How are you? I'm I'm doing well with everything going on. How are you guys doing? (laughs) Doing good, all things considered. I'd much rather be at opening day (laughs) yesterday than sitting here watching uh, past uh, games on MLB Network, but... Uh, it was weird yesterday. Very weird. We, you know, cancel. I, I, I don't know how many flights I've canceled and hotel reservations I've banged and hotels I've had to call and argue with about why we should get the full refund on a prepay and all that bullshit. So yeah, anyway. did you have any issues with that when you had to leave spring training? Um, uh, everybody's been pretty good, as you can imagine. Hotels and and airlines are trying to bend over backwards for people, but a couple of them, like the <laughs> Sheraton and Phoenix. The Sheraton in Phoenix that charged me for one night of my six pay, six day prepay that I had. I was. I won't be staying there again. That's right, man. But yeah, it's just time consuming, you know. But anyway, yeah. enough about us. You, let's see. Tell us what you've been up to right now, and how is this whole uh, COVID nineteen pandemic affecting you and your job search? Can't be the ideal time, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm back home in Houston. Um, you know, my parents kind of with everything going on and my dad understanding that m- the cities that, whether it be Atlanta or Houston, one of them was going to be put on lockdown um, pretty quickly whenever he asked mm-hmm. me to come back. And then when I came back the next day, both cities were put on uh, lockdown. So it's been a little it's been a little crazy being back here. And obviously the job search has been completely affected by this, um, you know, yeah. we at all of my interviews, anything, any meetings I had, um, have all been canceled. Um, you know, flights were canceled. So, and the the scary thing, you know, people keep asking when I'm going to know, um, you know, what, what's next. And you can't, as you guys know, you can't be a sports reporter without sports. So, you know, we're all just on standby right now with, with no timeline of when we could return to work or when any of those interviews would be rescheduled even. So, you know, it is, it's, it's kind of scary, but, but it'll, it'll pass, you know, we have to be hopeful about. Man, I feel for you because I felt for you anyway on how it ended with the Braves, but this, you know, having to deal with this on top of that, that that's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, this is uneasy times for all of us, even those of us that are gainfully employed right now, it's, it's uneasy because you don't know what, what's going to happen, you know, if this thing goes on and on. So I don't know. I just have no, you see so many different, you know, you see so much different information right now. You see so many different graphs of when this thing is going to peak and you Mm -hmm. hear the reports of baseball not starting until like mid summer. And I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. we've, we've just never seen anything like this in our lifetimes. It's just hard to grasp. Yeah. Nobody has, nobody alive has seen anything like this in their lifetimes. And, uh, hopefully we won't again, but from what they're saying, we're going to have to live with this COVID-19 and hopefully there's no other viruses coming down the pike. But anyway, um, 
Hey, you spent four seasons as Braves sideline reporter. Is that correct? Am I, am I remembering that right? Yep, four full seasons. Uh, and along the way, is it fair to say that you kind of caught the baseball bug if you didn't have it before? And by that, I mean, did you did it become your favorite sport to cover? It always was my favorite sport to cover. Um, my, I don't, I don't think I ever even you even know why I'm into baseball, Dave. But you know, I played. I played volleyball through high school and you play volleyball year round in my senior year, you know, you have to decide, okay, do I want to try to play volleyball in college and I'm not good enough to play at a D one, go to a D two or D three and probably not benefit my career as much as a big university with big sports pr- uh-huh. programs would for a, you know, aspiring sideline reporter. And right. I chose to pursue my career. And so that second semester of my high school senior year, was my first year not playing volleyball because I didn't play travel volleyball since I wasn't going to pursue it in college. So I became the baseball manager for my high school. Ah. So, you know, I went every practice, every game, took book. You know, I was giving the newspapers all of the stats that I would keep in book from the night before his game. Uh Um, So that's when I fell in love with baseball. And then I went to LSU. And, I mean, how can you not, you know, fall in love with baseball even more when you're at – I mean, I I, I consider LSU to be – one of the top baseball programs in the country. So it's hard to not, yeah. you know, fall in love with it even more. And then the Braves came along and it's, you know, I've just been put in so many incredible yeah. baseball environments. It's hard to not fall in love with the game. So you knew you yeah, wanted to be a, you knew you wanted to be a sideline reporter. When, when did you start knowing that? It sounds like you knew that for a long time. If you, if you were already making that oh, decision yeah, since, high school. I mean, I knew I wanted to be a sports reporter. You know, I didn't really know the difference, um, but in middle school, I mean, if you go back to little books I wrote, yeah, if you go back to little books that I wrote in middle school for my parents, you know, it's saying, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, So I've always wanted to do this. um, And, you know, I just started sideline reporting on on live, like actually sideline reporting and on live television. I started my senior year of college. with a network called Cox Sports Television based out of New Orleans. And I was doing like SWAC baseball, SWAC basketball, Southland football, moved up to SEC softball, then SEC baseball, and kind of worked my way up the ranks with that smaller network. Um, and then Fox had come calling. I think that would have been in 2016. And I was in Atlanta before they could ask me to be there. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> wow. What? Tell, tell me the, the highlights from your four years with the Braves, obviously winning a couple of division titles is the obvious ones, but there had to be some personal ones and some games and some interviews you did that really uh, you're never going to forget because even the way, even if it didn't end the way you wanted it to end, that those, those individual moments with players and stuff had to be pretty special. You're trying to get me crying, aren't you? Um, and I probably will talking about all this, but um, this, I mean, my first memory that I, ever 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 remember um ugh, was the my first day at turner field yeah hard really um so i'm sorry um no no you don't have anything to apologize for just take your time um i just remember my my first day at turner field um i i moved to atlanta um three di- three days before opening day and um, I was 23 years old, Dave. I mean, I'm sure you remember that, yeah. you know, I mean, it's tough yeah. when you're coming in as, yeah. you know, a young girl who, um, you know, is learning on trial and error. And I just remember walking out of the right field fence for the first time 
and um, stepping on to Turner Field wow. and just mm. looking up. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, just being like, holy smokes, yeah. like this, this is this is where I'm working. Like, this is my office. Um, and just that moment of, of realization, just, um, I mean, that was so special. And then obviously the, uh, um, the Brian McCann interview, the walk-off interview this past season, um, yeah, whenever he, you know, he had yeah. so many incredible moments with his, with the, with the teammates, with teammates, all obviously, you right. know, went and right. just attacked him in, in the field. But I didn't think he realized how crazy the stadium was going. Um, <laughs> and just seeing him have that moment with the fans and the appreciation from the fans and how excited they were for him. Um, <clears throat> and then probably my top, my top memory was us clinching in 2018 uh-huh. and watching Snit, watching Freddie, watching Julio, watching Ender, watching these guys who had, Nick Marcakis, Tyler Flowers, you know, watching these guys who had been there through these really difficult seasons and in a year that the Braves weren't expected to do anything, you know, and they did it and just being being there for that and just seeing the excitement on those guys. And it, it was just a, like a level of happiness that you see on these guys' faces that you can't even explain to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's there's so many, but... Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Snicker interview this, this season when, when we clinched, um, and the whole stadium going crazy and Snit realizing that it was for him when, when we turned around and saw him on the jumbotron and uh-huh. realized that the stadium wasn't going crazy because, you know, Ozzy was running around with a flag that said 2019 NLE's champs. They were cheering because Snit's face was on this, on the jumbotron and, <laughs> That's awesome. And you, yeah, and you guys know. I mean, I adore Brian Snicker with every fiber in my body. Yeah. And I think some of the fan base it took them a while to understand mm-hmm. um, how much that clubhouse mm-hmm. wanted him there. Yeah. And I felt like that moment um, was the first. I mean, and, and this, you know, I, I I know there have been a lot of people who have supported Brian Snicker, but that moment, I was just like, the fan base gets it now. Like they yeah. get what what brian snicker means to these players and this organization and they're they're like all in with it you know and that was and to see him tear up and as you can tell i like cry very easily so (laughs) when i see him like that i'm like oh no i'm gonna go but yeah i'm the same way um yeah i know what you mean because i think when when snit was hired it was portrayed as he's a fill-in because that's what we thought he was going to be. But to the guys in the clubhouse, because most of them had known him from the minor league system, they wanted him so bad to get that job, but not just get it, but they wanted so badly to play for him. And then when you saw how how he instantly turned around the morale in that clubhouse when he took over a team that was so far out of it, you know, early in that season after Freddie got fired – and Snit took over, and morale just completely changed. And you saw the effect he had on the team, and you knew this guy needs to keep this job. So, but I think you're right, though. I think most of the fans saw him as a as a lifer, a minor league guy that was just a convenient uh, fill in for the Braves, and he's so much more. He he's had a special that, guy. There's no doubt. Snit had that ability to make you feel like he was like with Bobby Cox had this rare ability where you felt like you were playing for your grandpa. 
You know, they, they, yeah. They, yeah. they cared so much about you and they're so passionate and they, they had your back in a certain way. And I think he passed that on to Snit. Uh, mm-hmm. But from from the get go, man, I was I was there that season when he took over and he gave that speech first day in Pittsburgh. It it energized everybody because you could just yeah. you could feel the raw emotion just oozing out of him uh, when he gave that speech. And after that, I was like, this guy's going to be around a while if he can if he can make yeah. a group of players feel like this on his first day. He's not going yeah. anywhere. It's cool to see. Well, I remember in Pittsburgh, you guys were so down. I mean, you were you were like yeah. nine and twenty something, and wasn't it like nine and twenty seven? Yeah, or yeah, that was like. And then, and then Snake gets hired, and that afternoon we go down. You know, after the announcement, Freddie had called me that previous night and said he just got fired, and and then said and told me the story, and you're not going to believe how I found out, and he told me how. He got the uh, alert from Delta, said your flight is tomorrow. <laughs> That's how he found out. They weren't going to yes. tell him until the next day. Oh, my yeah, gosh. They, I remember that. that yes, they weren't going yeah, <laughs> to tell him until the next day. Because they hurts. were going to wait for John Hart. Copy was going to wait for John Hart to get to Pittsburgh, and they were going to tell him together. But anyway, I remember going down the next day, uh, the next afternoon, Snit is they're, – they're sitting in the dugout, and there's like five guys surrounding Snit. Frenchie and a couple like five guys and it was like a light switch had gone on because this nine and 28 team all of a sudden they're down there laughing and shooting the shit and it was like okay maybe and then and then it took him like no time to to uh Nick Markakis was in his corner all these guys were in his corner and you thought there's something going on here this was the right this was the right hire for these guys they uh they might have got lucky for themselves you know firing someone so early in the season but to have a guy like Snit available Okay, Kelsey, you uh, you you mentioned you alluded to something there. You're so close to the dugout down there. You see the you see these guys as people, so much more so than anybody else does. Uh, you know, you're around them and see their emotions. I think people, the fans, you know, watch on TV or even in the ballpark, unless they happen to be right there at the dugout, they don't get to see the human reaction. These guys are not robots, and they react to everything. And you get to see that. That must be pretty special. You must feel pretty good when you get to be able to witness uh, the, the 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 roller coaster of emotions that goes on in a dugout during a game. And, and after like two in the, the clubhouse, moments. you guys see us in the yeah. clubhouse. You know, a guy with his you head see down. It all. Yeah. And the you moments. See it all. I mean, yeah. It's you know, I I always say that you know I had the best seat in the house, and it was, and that's something that I always said when I was talking about kind of what I felt my job as a sideline reporter is, is, you know, I want people to think of Ozzie Albies um, as Ozzie Albies, not Ozzie, Ozzie Albies, the second baseman for the Atlanta Braves, because, you know, he has, he has, he's a person and he has a whole, I mean, just, there's so many different cool things about them that, you know, as, as a sideline reporter, you can bring that to life for the audience, things that they would never know about these players, uh, their personalities, their hobbies. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the, all the little social media clips, I love doing those, the little videos yeah. after, um, you know, a run scored and the whole dugout's going crazy. You'd see Fulte would go get the umbrella for Josh Donaldson, which, you know, di- I mean, different. You get yeah. to see how they interact, who has the handshakes. Um it, so yeah, I mean, it was yeah. a really unique vantage point, um, obviously, and I mean, very. This team is yeah. full yeah. of personality, yeah. so it, it's never a it's dull a day down there. But um, <laughs> it was f- I mean, I'm probably still going to be 
pulling sunflower seeds out of my hair for the next next decade. But um, yeah, but, but, it must have yeah, been that, great to be able to do that that job around a team with so much so personable and so much energy. That especially the last two years with what Acuna and Ozzy, with how they energized the dugout, and then with with uh, Josh Donaldson added to the mix last year. Oh man, I I walked up to him um, the day the season ended. I just walked up to him in the in the clubhouse, and I just said, "Hell of a job, man!" <laughs> I said, "Whatever you decide to do, whatever direction you go, you know, obviously we'd love to. I'd love to see you back in Atlanta. Um, but whatever you decide to do, I said, you have put yourself in the best possible position that you can, and I am forever a fan because that's someone." Yeah. Josh Donaldson was someone I was a little scared of, you know, when, when he's coming into this clubhouse, because, you know, you, you don't know what to expect. Um, Ask and Eric. man, he was, Oh really? He was, he was so great to me. Um, yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed covering him and, and I was very, very intimidated at first, but was able to make that mutual sec connection. And I think that opened yeah. the door for, him, yeah, for there's, me. But, there's um, so many guys in the game that you just have to, it takes maybe a month or two to get past the surface yeah. and, and you get past the surface and you can't help but love them. You know, that, that's what yeah. I feel like with, with JD. Um, yeah. Once you got past the surface with him and, and got to know him a little bit, he's a really good dude. Yeah. Had a, had an edge, no doubt, man. Yep. And you first, when you first meet him, he can be a little intimidating cause he didn't take any shit, you know, he doesn't suffer fools, but Man, the more you were around him every day, you realize what a good dude he is. And, yeah. and his teammates, same way. You know, it took him a while, but but man, they embraced him and he added so much to that team in so many ways. Kelsey, though, what you were just talking about, it must have been great because you said what you saw the job, what the what the uh what you tried to get over to the fans. It must have been very gratifying, even though we we all have egos and we're all like to get stroked on social media every day and hear, you know, compliments. But it must have been nice to hear the outpouring, and I've never seen anything like it, of people talking about why they hated to see you leave because of what you brought to the team and how you served as a kind of connection between them and the team. That must have felt great. Yeah, I mean, you know, it that, oh gosh, that day, um, that those few days were so insane um, because, you know, I didn't know that, I didn't know that it was public, you know, I didn't know it was going to become public. And, um, but it, I was so, I was so scared for it. I was so scared because I knew that, um, everybody would know and that my phone mm-hmm. would be blowing up. Um, but yeah, the, the outpouring of support was, you know, I mean, it validates everything that, that I thought I was trying to do at least for the fans. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I don't like seeing them bash, um, anyone or any network or, um, you know, I, I don't, I didn't want to see anybody, um, getting attacked over it or whatever. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, when people, my favorite tweets, people would tweet at me like pictures of, of me with their kids or tell a picture of me with them and tell the story of how, you know, they were chasing me down or, I mean, just whatever story Uh and just, just all the different fan interactions and, um, you know, something that, that I talk about a lot, um, when I'm referring to, when I'm doing reports on players and things that they do in the community, um, like when Mike Soroka, who had childhood epilepsy hosted all of those children, um, and their families that have childhood epilepsy at the ballpark or Adam Duvall doing everything he does for the diabetes, um, Uh 
diabetes area because he has he has diabetes and he does a lot for the kids in his position, showing them what they can do. And I always say, you know, you love to see these players who use their platform um, for for something good outside of the game, just to make just to make an impact. And um, you know, I, I people in on television, we get this weird opportunity where you're given this platform where people want to talk to you and people want to shake your hand and people want to meet you and people want a picture. And it's crazy. But if you take those five seconds to do that, it can completely turn around someone's day, someone's week. It's a story that they'll always remember. And it's insane when you think that you can do that for someone, (laughs) but why would you, why would you not do that every single chance that you can, if, if you're given that and, um, you know, so just kind of hearing, cause it wasn't always convenient, but just hearing all of those stories and, and different people who said I impacted them or different people who even just wished me well, um, it made, it just made a good, it made it feel a lot better to, to just be embraced a little bit. And, um, people knew that I was hurting and people were so kind. So that helped a lot. That that attitude you had and that outlook is why they, you know, that's why they loved you so much in the first place, because you did take the time and, and really embraced them in, in a way that I'd never seen a fan base so attached to a sideline reporter in, in my career over the years or, or someone that just took over a fan base like that. Um, and I got lucky. I got to watch from the outside. I saw it on the inside in the clubhouse. And then after I stopped playing, I got to watch the Braves games on TV and I've never seen anything like it. So I, I think you got a lot more of that coming. I mean, I loved it there. I loved every, I loved every second there. Um, and this, it's just, you know, I was, oh man, even thinking about opening day or the home opener, like <laughs> I was just, I know it's crazy. Cause I was like, so dreading it. I had trips. I have to be like when anything in Atlanta, um, regarding the Braves is going on. I, I mean, I have to get out of town. Man. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's tough. Um, it's tough to be there and, I'm so sorry. Um, and not be a part of it. So, but it, now it's like everyone's in the same boat. It puts it into perspective so much as I was so like concerned about what opening day was going to feel like for me and how upset I was going to be and how hard it was going to be for me. And, and now it like, now everyone is having to deal with that. Um, and it just puts into perspective, you know, how small your issues really are. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's crazy to think about how, we just don't even know when those days will come. And they were days that I kind of had circled on my calendar, like get off social media (laughs) and get out of town. Um, Um, yeah, that's tough. Well, I don't like hearing that. Well, we should, we should tell, we're not going to say, we're not going to ask you to say anything because we know you're in a job search. So we're not going to say anything that it's, it's a sensitive subject. And, and, but I admire the fact that you were able to, you've taken the high road because I know, I would probably be lashing out if I didn't think I was treated the right way. Probably. But um, <laughs> I would be. You yeah, would be, right. absolutely. <laughs> to the, to probably to, to my own detriment. Yep. But So that's admirable that you, uh, how you're handling it. But it must be tough not to, you know, because I know people probably ask you what happened or whatever. So I'm, I'm not going to ask you what happened because I, I think I know. So... We'll just leave it at that. But I just think it's it's admirable. It's got to be tough for you to not to, yeah, yeah to not more to. just. It's like I have had to talk to a lot of people about it, just trying to, um, you know, because I mean, and as you reported in your story, um, I knew for about a month before 
the story was um, released, and um, those were like some really, really uh, bad, bad weeks. Um, Oh yeah. um, Thank God. I mean, my parents. I know they're they're incredible, and my parents stayed with me for a month um, until I was able to kind of um, you know get back on my feet, and you know because I think the issue that um, an issue that I had is so much of my identity um, was in this job and it's taken away from you and you're blindsided by it. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, who am I? Mm. Um, You've been there. And so, yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, you know, more so than I do. Um, So just trying to, trying to find yourself. um, I know that sounds maybe like, well, you know, Eric, it might sound dramatic, but I just, all I knew was, was the Braves. I mean, I worked 140 plus games every season. Um, that's all I wanted to do every, every year. I wanted all 162. I don't care if I was hosting. I don't care if I was reporting that it was more than a job for me. It was my life and I loved it. And, um, you know, there was during baseball season, if I wasn't at the game working, I was at the game as a fan or I was watching it on TV. There was not a game that was ever played that I didn't watch. Um, And so that consumes you for six months and for Dave, in your case for eight, but, um, it's just, once that's ripped from you, you're just kind of like, okay, uh, what's next? Like, what, what do I do? Who like, so, but I've just had to grasp that, um, they're a business and they made a business decision and they are allowed to do that without any explanation. Um, it's how they want to run is totally fine. And, I adore and I love and I cherish every single person at Fox Sports South, every single person. Um, I have worked with some of the most talent, not some of, I worked with the most talented people in the industry. Um, and just, they just, they, they just made a decision and, and it just seemed like there was nothing I could do to change that. And um, I just have to, keep a tough upper lip and learn from it and not lose confidence in myself. And, um, you know, even though it doesn't mean that it doesn't suck for me, it's been really hard, but what can I do besides learn from it and try to figure out anything I could have done differently or anything, um, and take that into wherever I go next. Um, and just always hopefully, you know, look back on this time. I just, God, the four years were the best four years of my life. And I just am refusing to allow how it ended to affect um, how I view those four years. Good job. It's not easy. That's that's really admirable. And it's such a rough industry because, I mean, we all know these decisions can be made, you know, by one person. They can be made for personality reasons. I mean, it's not it's not about performance sometimes. So who knows, man? It's not a fair world, that's for sure. If you take that passion you had, though, you know, that's you're talking about how hard it is to let it go and, and how much of your identity it almost takes an obsession to be really, really yeah. elite at something. And and I think you were like I said, I haven't seen a fan base that attached to a reporter or sideline reporter in in my career. Um, so I, I have no doubt in my mind that wherever you wind up, it's going to be more of the same. And you just got to be prepared to be attached to, you know, a new team and, and then maybe a new city. But that, we're not worried for you at all. That's my personality. Yeah, you're going to be good. That's my personality. You know, I I can move anywhere. And I just, I mean, I'm just, a, I have a 
I, I love hard and I care hard and I go all in on everything that I'm doing. And uh, why you're so good. I know I'm so as much as I'm going to miss, I, I mean, God, I could have lived in Atlanta forever, you know? And I, I, I said that numerous times, um, as much as I'm going to miss Atlanta and Braves country and, um, going to the ballpark. Um, I know that I'm going to be like, so whenever I know what's next, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be all in and so excited to, to just like look back on this with fond memories and not have to like rehash this, these past six months, um, and just be excited about something. And, um, I'm going to go in, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I'm not going to have to go in as this 23 year old new reporter who has never been in a big league clubhouse you know wherever i go i'm gonna have a grip on things and yeah and i'm you know i'm gonna um have like a fresh start of of hopefully viewed as a as a veteran reporter who can come in and knows the ins and outs and um you know just not have to fight maybe having to win people you know i mean it's just it's tough it's it's tough as a young female um and and nobody ever you know i never I don't want it to sound like I'm making any kind of accusations or, or, you know, anything that can be spun. It's just generally, it's just tough as a young female sideline reporter in any clubhouse, in any locker room for any team in any sport. And I have, and now I've passed that. Um, and I'm just excited to go somewhere and, and just have that foundation already built instead of having to lay it as I'm learning. Listen, it's, it's hard for any of us when we're young to, to start uh, covering a big league team, covering a major college team, whatever. It's hard for us. And I didn't – I was in my late 20s when I did it. I can't even imagine how difficult it is for a young female who the players can obviously say, you never played the game or whatever. And then to be an attractive young female, <laughs> I mean, you guys face challenges that I could never even comprehend. And my, I have so much admiration for the ones who stick it out and do a great job at it and, and want to do it and work hard. And it's really, it's just, it, 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 I know it takes so much more than what we had to do to deal with. So I couldn't do it. Cap, <laughs> yeah. Cap, well, caps off. Favorite, to you. you were talking about all the like, um, well wishes and compliments on social media. And one of my favorite things that anybody ever said to me is uh, I'm sure you guys remember Tyrell Jenkins. He was, yeah. Uh, he he still is one of my close friends. He has been just always such a great friend to me, always in my corner, always had my back. Um, and when everything, um, you know, became public, um, he texted me and asked if I was okay. And something he told, he told me the story of when he was in the minor leagues and they, they met me for the first time at spring training. And he told me a conversation that he had with two or three of the guys in there, how they were shocked. They were like, Whoa, like she, she knows the game. Like this is a, this is a baseball girl. Like she, she knows what she's talking about. And he was just saying how there was something I said and that compliment coming from players, you know, man, a lot that, you know, because that is, if you don't know the game, you're going to get exposed. It's a 162 yeah, game season. No you know, doubt. you can't just put someone on a baseball broadcast who doesn't know the game. It's too hard. Yeah. Um. So for so that I mean stuff like that always meant a lot to hear. Yeah, I remember she that. You could have. I remember going up to the front of the plane one time, and and you were talking to some of the I think trainers and maybe Brad Hanji or somebody. And you guys were having a baseball conversation, 
and I was walking, I was talking to Bubba, I think I need some Advil or something. Yeah. And I was, I was walking back and I remember hearing this conversation and I didn't know you at all at the time. It was your first year. And I was like, damn, this, she knows what she's talking about. You were, I think you were talking football or something, but just sports in general. I was like, man, she's, she really knows what she's saying. It's going to work out for her. So Kelsey, you could have seen yourself doing, uh, doing it like, uh, like you said, you did. You would never wanted to leave Atlanta. You could have been like, uh, like, uh, say that, the, the the sideline reporters are where I'm thinking of the ones in San Francisco, L.A. I know Jody Jackson in Arizona that have done it for yeah. decades. I mean, you could have done that. You would have been happy doing that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I yeah. I loved Atlanta, yeah. and I and that was it. It wasn't. It, it was not a job. Yeah, it wasn't a job. Yeah. Um, but I. At the same time, as I say that, you know, I, I yeah, I, I said that numerous times to people at Fox that I would sign a lifetime contract. I'd, wow. I'd stay. Um, and, you know, I always got those tweets saying, oh, you know, when are you going to leave us? And I was like, man, I'm trying yeah. to stay here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not trying to leave. Um, you know, because I built, I built a whole life in Atlanta. And, I, and the day that I have to move, which, you know, is going to come soon, um, is going to be just so insanely hard. Um, but at the same time, I loved this job so much that I never looked bigger. Um, I, I never looked elsewhere. I was, I was, I was never looking for another job. I was never applying for other jobs. I, I was just happy there. And this has, you know, obviously forced me to look bigger and, and, look at the, what the next step would be, even though I wasn't necessarily right. paying attention to it. And now that I've been doing that and been talking to, you know, networks and w- whatever it may be, I'm so excited that that's one of the silver linings that's come out of this is I wasn't looking bigger and now I am. Yeah. And, um, and I'm just, I'm so excited for that next step. And just to, feel good about myself and my career and, and know what I'm capable of and just have a job that, that I know that I'm going to love and just as much as this one, I hope. Um, so it's just, it's been cool to kind of see how my brain has evolved through all of this, where it went from so much sadness to just being excited for seeing what's next and where I'm going to end up. And that's great. So I, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I am really excited just to, to latch on to whatever it is and and run with it. you found out in mid-January, you still had a month and a half left. You, you you continued to do Hawks and hockey and stuff, right? I mean, Predators didn't you, and Carolina, didn't you keep, keep doing that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I was still under contract. Um, yeah. And um, they, yeah, I had gotten a bigger, you know, role with NBA this year and, and the hockey cut-ins and both of them. Oh, my gosh, they were so fun to do that, just something different. And, right. Um, I loved, I loved doing NBA. I've loved learning hockey more because I've never lived in a city or, or even state that uh-huh. has had hockey. Um, and oh, I've just, I've had so much fun doing those two sports, but I was telling you guys before we got on here, it was crazy because my last you know broadcast was the night that the league was suspended, the NBA. And um, so we were, you know, on air for, an hour and a half um, for this post game show because we wanted to make sure that, you know, it was obviously huge news. So we were trying to hear from every single player in the Hawks locker room 
um, the coach Lloyd Pierce and, um, yeah, it was a, it was a crazy night and leaving the arena. I, I had hockey cut-ins the next night, but, and I knew, I thought they were going to happen, but I knew there was a chance they wouldn't because the NBA had just suspended. So I figured the NHL might follow suit, but wasn't confident. But leaving the arena was really emotional for me. Um, just knowing that that was probably my last show, my last ever pre or yeah. post game show. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, but I, all the emotions came out. So I think it was God's way of telling me like, Hey, wow. this is it chick. Yeah. Like get it all out now because, <laughs> yeah. because uh, hockey's going to be suspended tomorrow. But, uh, but yeah, it's been, it, you know, Fox sports South was incredible with a, with the different sports they allowed me to do and the different roles they allowed me to do and, and really shaped me into a Uh well-rounded, versatile reporter. And I will just always be grateful that they had all of the different teams and all the different sports and trusted me on all of these different broadcasts, because now that does open up more opportunities for me as I'm looking, I'm, you know, not just looking at baseball jobs. I can look at other sports. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that, that was the last, you know, now, with everything in hiatus, um, you know, that, that was likely my last time. Has the interest surprised you? Has what surprised me? The interest, you know, have you, it was what you expected a lot more or less. How'd you feel about, you know, the reaction you've got once you've basically been a free agent now? Well, I mean, you know, it wasn't really, it's, it's tough right now to even answer that because there's no interest at all because all of my, anything I've had has been canceled. Um, you know, the one, the one trip I did take where I had a bunch of different meetings were all extremely, I felt very good walking out of them and, um, very confident and felt that I put myself in the best possible situation. The issue is, is that there's no openings. So I can get myself and my agent who's, who's doing a great job can get me in front of people because we're just trying to meet, we're just trying to meet people and network right now. So when there is an opening, hopefully I'm considered for it. Um, but it's just, you know, that all the baseball jobs were filled at that point. Um, so there really wasn't anywhere in baseball and, um, there's just, there's just no openings right now. I thought the timing was already terrible in, in that if you had been told right after the season had ended or soon, you know, within a month, maybe there would have been, there would have been some baseball openings perhaps, but you found out mid January. So I mean, obviously there's no baseball jobs at that point. And then this happens that nobody could have predicted, obviously. No. So, I mean, what a perfect storm, just a perfect shit storm for you as far as, you know, looking elsewhere. It's just insane because you don't, there's no timeline. We have no clue when sports are going to start back up. I have no, I have no clue where, I don't know how long I should stay in Atlanta. I don't right. know if I should move back to Houston. I don't know if when I move back to Houston two weeks later, I get a job and then I have to move again. And it's just, it's, you know, I just have so much uncertainty right now. I don't know when I'm going to get another paycheck ever again. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, it's just like, yeah. I, I don't know anything right now. Oh, and it's just, it's trying to manage I'm a control freak. If you saw my planner, you'd never speak to me again. It's color coordinated. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm like, and I just, I, I don't know anything. So that's it, trying to navigate my anxiety through yeah. all, everything in my life being uncertain. It's just, you know, that's been a whole different. Yeah. It's a weird game. feeling. It, it happens when you're a, you know, if, you, if you're kind of free agent coming off a tough season uh, in, in baseball, you can be, 
a week out of spring training and not have a team yet. And you can be, you know, wondering where you're going to live and everything. And then, you know, toward the end of spring training, you don't know if you're going to make the team or not. You don't have a place to live in the next city. Um, it's a different situation, but I understand what you're saying. It's, it's, if I was a control freak, I don't know if I could handle it. <laughs> yeah. Not the time to be I've a control never freak. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've never understood how baseball players do it. I was talking to Anthony Sorzak about that when he got traded over here mid season. And I was like, it is insane to me that, you found out like last night you got traded over here. You have to hop on a plane. You were probably on the road. So you only have your suitcase of stuff that you had on your road trip with you. God knows when you're going to be able to get back to your yeah. old apartment where your car and your family is or your old house. And then you, it's just, it's, it's insane how you guys just have to up and pack leave regardless of where you are. And you can't, Grass. Yeah, you can't yeah. even do anything. You just gotta go. You get a lot of help, and usually the wives just wear it. <laughs> like oh, you get, they're they're rock stars. I got traded to New York, and my wife was in San Francisco, and she had to get everything home to Seattle. We had a kid, no one to watch the kid. I'm out in, uh, I'm already out in New York, and you, you know, because when you get traded or something, you got to be with that team the next day. So there's no time to really help out, and it's usually just the wives just have to wear it, call everybody, get the movers. Mm -hmm buy flights, figure out what to do with the kids, how you're getting all your stuff to your hometown if you're taking it to the next one. I mean, it's just, I think you just learn to kind of just pack light and, and be ready for whatever in, in baseball and in sports in general. Oh, yeah. You hear Paul Bird talk about his wife, how she moved their family like 52 times. Or I mean, I mean, I'm probably underestimating the number, but just, and I think I follow Nancy Flowers on Instagram, Tyler Flowers' wife, and you see the pictures of her with like, like five all kids. of their kids. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, those the wives are are just yeah. rock stars. How they carry the load at home when y'all are out all season. Yeah, and then you retire and you don't think you have to do anything, and you you get to uh, <laughs> you get a lot of duties passed off on you. You're not ready for. <laughs> Got to grow up. All right. Oh, yeah. Well, Kelsey, we uh, we wish you nothing but the best, and uh, we we'll feel for you. I mean, this is a rough time to be looking for a job, and but you're, you, there's no doubt in my mind you'll land on your feet somewhere, somewhere good, and and get what you deserve. And we appreciate you coming on and talking about this. I know it can't; it's had to be hard. Yeah, yeah. I I appreciate you guys. I mean, Dave, you been in my corner with me this whole time eric you were always so so great to me as a player i'll never I, i'll never forget all the players who were just so kind and funny and I, I just always appreciated how nice you were to me um even when i was young and learning so i i appreciate you both well you're welcome and we're pulling for you you know you're too good at what you do to to not wind up in a good spot so hang tight now you're gonna be fine thank you guys i'm excited to tell you what's next we're Thanks, excited to Kelsey. hear it. Yeah, we'll have you back on when you do it, when you find something, all right? Promise. Okay, thank you, guys. Thanks, Kelsey. Appreciate it. All right, Whew, shifting gears. Wow, it was great having Kelsey on. I'm so glad she was able to kind of explain and tell her side, whatever. Uh, and it was such a sensitive thing. I know she can't say anything, you know. That to, she's looking for a job, man. So kudos to her for taking the high road. Anyway, moving on. Um Eric, big big doings yesterday between the players and the owners coming to an agreement on so much of uh, so much of the stuff they've been negotiating for the past week. They still have a lot of stuff to do before uh, you can start a season, whatever that might be. But they came to some 
they agreed on some, some in principles on a lot of things that are that had to get done financially. Um, we can just touch on those real quick, but uh, you know, it, this is a ten point seven billion dollar industry. So even while you know everyone concedes that this ranks extremely low in the big picture as far as things of importance during this COVID nineteen pandem- pandemic around the the country and around the world. Fact is, players and owners still had to figure out how they would proceed with this disrupted or even canceled season. So they spent the last week negotiating many of these intricacies regarding how and how much players would be paid if the season is shortened or worst case scenario, if it's canceled altogether, how they'll be paid, how much service time they'll get, how the June draft and international free agents will be, will be conducted, all and all, all that stuff and so much more, a whole lot of stuff and a lot of other stuff still being negotiated. But there was some big stuff yesterday. Um, you know, there's still so many variables, obviously, because we have no timetable, as Kelsey said, on when they're going to start the season. So, But they did some general agreements that will cover in the event of, you know, they play 80 games, 100 games, or it's canceled altogether. And they got the gist of it done. What, did, what was your first reaction to it? I know some the players gave a lot, but the owners also gave made some concessions. I couldn't believe they got service time. Yes. You know, I mean, service time is so important. Teams will risk not making the playoffs to keep two to three weeks off a guy's service time. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I they had to do it that way because, I mean, it makes sense. You know, the, the game's got to be played to make money. So prorating the salaries is is pretty fair, I think. But I just I couldn't believe that, that they got the service time just because, you know, like if a team – if a team has a young guy right now, these yeah. are the most valuable years. If you got a uh, like Juan Soto or somebody, he's going to arbitration now without even having to play this season. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So and and they don't get that year of him actually playing for him. And, and and some teams are obviously going to be way more adversely affected than others. For instance, look what the Dodgers gave up to get Mookie Betts. <laughs> Mookie Betts for for I maybe mean, three months. If this game, well, maybe nothing. If yeah. this season is canceled, he's not going to play a game for the Dodgers. And look what they maybe. gave up to get him. <laughs> oh man, I didn't even think of that. Oh, he's not going to, and hurts. he'll be a free agent. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a few other. That's cases why I can't like believe they too. got it. That's right. why I can't believe they got it. Now we'll go over this, but what they got and what he what he's alluding to, what Eric's talking about, is if they got if the game is if the season is canceled altogether, players are going to get a full year of service time. Now if they play. Uh, part of the season or whatever, they're going to get full year. They're going to get the same amount of service time that they got last year. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't. I thought it was, they were just getting a full year if they were if they were active the whole season. No. So it's you know there's a lot of involved, but yeah, if there's if the season is bang, they're going to get a guys that are on the a forty man are going to get a full year of service or on the uh, sixty day DL. So that's insane. But, Right, and you know, they're not going to get their salaries. They're going to get prorated salaries. The, the you know they paid them that hundred that lump sum, and they're going to split that up. The hundred fifty million, hundred seventy, hundred seventy, I think it 170, was. Hundred seventy, they're going to split that up. And the players don't have to give that back if the season's canceled. They're going to split that up, and uh, according to who's got uh, uh, major league contracts, split contracts, you know all that, and uh, they don't have to give that back regardless. But they're not going to get their salaries. Uh, and if they play the season, they're going to get their salaries prorated. 
and they're still not going to give that that money back, but they'll count against it. So, um, and and some people have asked like about like say Hamels and Ozuna, the Braves signed them to one year deals, eighteen million. No, they won't <laughs> gone, get that right? eighteen million. But yes, they'll be gone. They'll be free yeah. agents again, and and guys like Marquecas and Flowers, you know, that are on one year contracts now, obviously will well, be that, free agents. That's why you know the the players gave up quite a bit too, because if you're say you're somebody like Hamels or Ozuna. You, and you need yeah. to perform this year because you're getting older. Yeah, you know you're you're losing exactly. A, you're losing a, a life year of service time, and, and so now you're. Yeah, it's harder to get the deal, and and it yeah. might be your last shot at a big contract, Absolutely. and not playing for a year. You know, not playing for a year when you're 22 is one thing, but not playing for a year when you're 33, uh, that's really or th- tough. Or 36 in the case of yeah, Hamels. 36, and Ozuna's maybe 29. Yeah, can you, um, yeah. And it's tough. coming off an injury plagued year. So all of a sudden you sit out a whole year and people are, And then yeah. you're trying to get guaranteed money next year and it's like you didn't even play last year. Sorry about the circumstances, but you know, then you then you might have to sign a minor league deal because you haven't even played in that long. And, about, and you're a year older. It's tough. And how about and how about the, the how smart are the Braves and other teams looking who did not sign uh Josh to that contract that the twins gave him that has that big fourth year Right. I mean, first year's the best one. Right. Yeah. They're probably thinking we'll get a two or maybe three really good years out of him, and it'll be worth it in the end. Well, I mean, wow. That, yeah, that's, that's another reason why I couldn't believe the service time thing, though, is because, well, I guess it wouldn't matter. You'd almost be adding a year onto contracts like that, honestly. Um, but I couldn't believe it because the, these years, if you got a guy signed to a contract, these years are the the years that are the most important. You know, if yeah. if you you're almost always betting on a guy to fall off on the backside of his career. Right. And you're, you're paying for like the 28, 29, 30, 31 to lose one of those and still got to pay the backside when he's 35 is, I mean, that's going to hurt some teams. And what they, uh, and why they did it, uh, because they, in, if in, in return agreed not to sue that they probably would not have win this lawsuit. I mean, there's almost no chance it would have, but if they had won it, if the players sued for their full salaries and they won that case, and there's that no could, games. That could almost bankrupt some teams. You well, know what, what I mean? was it? I I saw it written out. It was um, billions. Some, uh, some eight hundred million in player salaries. No, no, that's that's what a year of service time is worth. But the the billion I think was four point five billion. Yeah, yeah four point five billion billions. going out, and right. there wouldn't be much coming in without games. On top of all the money they're already losing. With no yeah. no revenues coming in for yeah. from fans for ticket sales and all that money they have to give back, no yeah, four point five billion. Yeah, so they're saying some teams that aren't real cash don't have a lot of cash on hand. They could have been pushing it to stay afloat. So yeah, that was that was what they got in return. Players will not sue for those salaries. Uh, anyway, uh, it would have looked it would look terrible if this thing dragged oh, out. You know, just with what's going on awful. in the country right now and the world. We're awful. If you're People arguing are, and bickering about this, I mean, right. it's in everybody's best interest to just hammer it out and be reasonable. People that can't afford to pay, literally to pay rent and pay for food. Yeah, and you're arguing and over And the players are billions. suing. <laughs> yeah, suing for their, yeah. for their $10, 20000000 million salaries. Yeah. And not when they're not playing a game. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're not doing anything. That might not look, that might not after, come off too well. After uh, the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellick reported on this last night uh, in their story that's on The Athletic today, the Ken and uh, Evan wrote the players 
The owners fretted over cash flow. The players valued service time and were guaranteed they would receive it both in the event of a partial season in 2020 or if there's no season at all. Uh, The final terms of the agreement, as conveyed by sources, reflect the give and take that defines all labor settlements and are expected to be approved by the owners in a conference call on Friday uh, today. But the great prorated salaries are huge, too, you know, because now you got the players want to play as many games as possible. Exactly. They're on the same boat as the owners. If you got 10 mil (laughs) over 162, that's 60 grand a game. Yeah. Yeah. So if you you want to play that second doubleheader today for another 60 grand? They're saying, yes. yeah, you know, so that's, that's, they, I feel like they had to do it that way yeah. to get so as many that, games in as possible. Yeah. That gives the players plenty of incentive to waive those, those uh, rules regarding how many games you can play in a 20 day span and all that. And, yep. and to approve of many more doubleheaders and all that money in their pocket. Yeah. Um, so the players agreed to prorated salaries in 2020 if the 2020 season is shortened and they and stand to lose all but a $170 million lump sum advance that they got, which will be divvied up. We'll give you those numbers in a minute. They also made compromises in the amateur draft. This is pretty big, man. Agreeing to changes yeah. for not only this year's class, but also next year's class. Changes that are already drawing criticism in the industry. But the alternative, some of the players pointed out, would have been no draft at all. In, in in 2020. So the two sides had little choice to reach a deal without one commissioner, Rob Manford would have needed to officially notify the union that he was suspending all player contracts, uh, a decision the league believed was necessary before the openers, the scheduled openers Thursday. So they had to get it done then by then, but the union was willing to delay more than once, but they wanted to get it done. The player, the owners wanted to get it done. Um, the agreements, a good first step, but before play can resume, there's a whole lot more to be resolved. The deal doesn't, it ensures that players will hold final approval on scheduling. The league can't unilaterally determine how many games are played or when. Both sides say they desire to play as many games as possible for what we just talked about. I wonder if they would if it wasn't prorated. <laughs> yeah, I bet not. You know. <laughs> Three double headers a week. I, know. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. Hell that's, no. a, that's why they had to do it that way. Yep. Uh, the agreement also allows for the regular season to extend into October, providing 31 more possible dates. I'm kind of surprised they even that they, they stopped it there. That they uh, Maybe they asked yeah. for November and didn't get it, but now they can at least play through October if they want to. Well, if they went the post- through November and then played playoffs in December, I mean, you're getting like a month off for the offseason. Yeah. You know, you yeah. got you to gotta kind of draw that line somewhere. Uh, I like this when we talked about this uh the postseason might be expanded and played at least in part at neutral sites. Yeah. So, so if they wanted to make it more of a tournament, say the season was really shortened, you know, that you could shorten a season to 60 games or whatever, give more teams a chance. So that way you you know, sure it wouldn't be the same, a legit season and, and all the team, the best teams might not prevail, but then you'd have, and the excitement of a tournament if you more te- teams were added to it, that kind of thing. So it's a trade I'd be obviously. excited to see how that played out. A lot of people would be, yeah. Especially it's knowing kinda, it's, that it's a one-time thing. It, well, it's almost a chance to experiment a little bit, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if you if you let 14 teams in the playoffs or something like yeah. that, see how it goes and, and see how people are, you know, drawn to it or if they hate it or love it or how long it takes, if players like it. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of an opportunity to kind of toy around a little bit. 
Uh, transactions will be frozen when the deal becomes official. The union and the league must agree on the date they can resume. In other words, guys cannot get cut now. You know, play, teams can't screw around with it and release guys that had, you know, contracts that, uh, you know, they can't save money, in other words, by getting rid of some, some kind of fringe guys and all that. Yeah. Rosters are going to be frozen. Um, roster sizes are likely to expand, at least at the start of the season, coming off an abbreviated spring training the way they did after the players returned from the strike in 95. I don't know how many expand by how many we again, but that's something we talked about last week. I said, I yeah, you'd have go to 28. To. You were saying they should go to 30. If, if you're going to be in a spot where you're going to ride the guys that hard, like, like you were saying, play more than 20 games in 20 days. I mean, they could uh-huh. be looking at if they're trying to get 140 games in and yeah. they don't have, I mean, they could be looking at, you know, playing eight a week for yeah, like three out of four weeks that. with double headers and all this stuff. I can't see them playing. You might have games. to, I can't no, see playing 100 games. Either way, they're, they're going to have to squeeze in a lot of extra yeah, games and no doubleheaders and things like that to make it happen and, and tougher travel. you got to have a few extra guys on the roster. By settling how pay and service time will work in a shortened or canceled season, the parties already might have overcome their biggest obstacles. They address the worst-case scenario of a canceled season only because of the need to account for every contingency. I had a lot of people online last night when I was when I was uh, tweeting this we're saying, what's all the talk now about a canceled season? Well, I thought they were going to try to... No, no. There's no more likely a canceled season now than there was two days ago. But they had to agree on all of these contingencies. you got to be ready. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you got to be ready. I was wondering, you know, like 40-man guys, because I'm wondering if any team sent some guys down before this deal's uh, yeah. finished, because 40-man guys might get a full year of service not even playing in the big leagues if they haven't Absolutely. been optioned down yet and you didn't play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm wondering which teams, if, if any team sent guys down or tried to avoid that. There were there were some roster moves made at the last minute. Yeah. Or after the yeah. yeah, there were. There were some Once this deal's done, if it's if transactions are frozen, the season gets canceled, you could have a, a guy that was in double A last year knock a year off his clock. Yeah. Off um we had a thing with uh it's guys on sixty day DL, you know, get get uh yeah. full service. They get service had, time. We had a case. Remember the closer, Matt Manti? No. We called him Iceman because he looked like Vanilla Ice. He was with the Marlins. Threw really hard, <laughs> Matt Manti. Maybe. Yeah. he. Uh, I remember he was his rookie year. I remember him coming up, uh, and he had been hurt like each of the previous two years. He missed a whole year. Okay, so then he comes on. He's throwing about 100, and he's like he's, – he's having a great rookie year. And we look down, we're like – Holy shit! This guy's gonna be arbitration eligible because he had yeah. got, he, he had gained so much service time while on the sixty eight DL that he had barely pitched in the big leagues, and he was gonna be arbitration eligible after his rookie year. That happens, you know, yeah. and and sometimes guys will even you know they'll fake an injury to stay on that forty man and start their clock. Or there's just ways that it can be manipulated that teams uh-huh. always have to watch out for too. So yeah, you know, it's not a one way street. You know, both both sides kind of try to get their yeah. service time and everything sure. in, but. Uh, if it's just like I'm saying, you know, that could kill some teams' prospect plans and everything. If if two or three guys on their 40 man that they were going to hold back their service time next year, start next year with a full year of service because this year got canceled. Yeah, but if they're not up, they're not getting service time though. I mean, they're not. I think that I think if you're on the 40 man roster, oh, the way this this deal is done. Yeah, I'm not certain of it, saying. but I'm not 100. Yeah. But I think you got to get them off there and option them down no, to AAA. But you can't do that now. Rosters are frozen. But yeah, so I asked if they saying. did it yesterday. 
I see what you're saying because uh, under normal circumstances, obviously, if you're on the 40, you've got to be in the majors to get service time. But if you're if there's no games, then yeah, that was part you're of the You're on agreement. the you're, you're right. in the major zone until you get optioned down. That's why if you get right. hurt in spring training, you can right. you stay on the big league roster and rack up service time for a month or two. If you go on the 60, not the 15. Even, I think you do though. If if you're if it's to start the season and you haven't been optioned, oh, to yet. start the season, to start the season, yes, to start the season. So this season would never start, right? But right. So I don't know how that's going to work, but I, you know, that's something that I was yeah. curious. The turning point for the players was when the league agreed to grant service time in the event of a canceled season, allow players to continue toward free agency or arbitration unimpended. Number of days a player received in 2019 would be the same number he would receive for 2020. Got it. The players also will earn a full year of service in a shortened 20 season, regardless of how many games the schedule includes. Service time calculated by the number of days a player is on the roster or injured list forms the basis of baseball's pay structure, determining eligibility for salary arbitration and free agency. Some of the players, some on the player's side project one year of service to be worth $800 million in player salaries. That's really yeah. complicated, but certain second-year players earn more when they reach arbitration. Certain third- and fourth-year players earn more as they advance through the process, and certain fifth-year players earn more as they reach free agency because of the service time. But anyway... Uh, Still, the players' gains in service time came at a price they yielded on their full salaries for 2020. Like we said, probably a wise decision considering how it would look. It'd be tone deaf, you know, with the country yeah. and the economy in peril. So players also yielded on the amateur draft, rationalizing it was better to ease the economic burden on owners for amateur talent, both domestically and internationally, than accede to the owner's request to cancel the draft entirely. The owners also can delay international signing period. It's a big thing for a lot of teams that uh, really use the international free agency. The Braves used to before they got penalized, but uh, now that's scheduled to begin July second. Uh, they can push it back to as late as January twenty twenty one. That period, uh, and also the owners they wanted to protect the downside. An estimated $4.5 billion payout to players in salaries and benefits in a cancel season if they had sued and won. Now the players can't sue. In addition to relenting on service time, the owners agreed to grant the players an advance payment of $170 million spread over two months. Uh, the money is to be divided among four tiers of players. Those with guaranteed contracts, each will receive $150,000. And players with different types of split contracts between the majors and minors will receive sixty thousand, thirty thousand, fifteen thousand, depending on what type of deals they have. So that money will not be repaid if the season is canceled, but the salaries the players will receive in a shortened season will be prorated based upon days on the roster or the injured list. So there you go. Players also relinquish the right to sue the owners for their full salaries if board. Uh it all seems In pretty effect, fair to me. Yeah, yeah. Both sides gave a lot, no doubt. Yeah. Boris is pissed about the uh, draft thing, obviously. Yeah, he is, because he's always got all the best players. That's his, that's his bailiwick there, man. That's how he's made his, yeah. his bones right there. And all of a sudden, if they're going to cut the draft, dude, to, the owners can cut the draft to five rounds. Now, think about all the players that went after the fifth round. I did. I was a six-rounder. Yeah, yeah. Paul Goldschmidt was an eighth rounder. 
I mean, it changes everything for guys that are like juniors in college now that were looking to be drafted. So many more of them are either going to are going to have to come back for their senior year. How about high school guys? Well, that, that really, I don't know because a, a lot of guys are going to be able to sign as undrafted free agents if they want to. I don't know how that affects a college junior, but but that's the thing they did was they limited all those guys after the fifth round to twenty grand a piece. Right, it's not much. Hey, much much of a bonus. I, mean, I got. I got 155 in 2003, so I'm imagining it's it's a lot more yeah. than that now. But that's I mean that could cost a guy 180 grand. He'd probably want to go back to college, but the yeah. problem with that is then, then the draft's going to be loaded next year, and you might go in the tenth round because there's going to be way more talent. Yeah. Everybody jumping yeah. back in, and you're competing with the next class. Boy, there's going to be some great yeah. college teams next year. There's going to be some great college teams for sure. Um, yeah. High school and college draftees are not yet members of the union, obviously, potential. Merely preserving the 2020 draft was something of a victory from the players' perspective. The owners wanted to cancel the draft with the idea of reallocating their savings to other areas while operating with low. They wanted to cancel it altogether. The agreement gives baseball the right to shorten the draft from 40 rounds to five. Bonuses also will be deferred with picks receiving an initial payment of 100000 and getting the rest in equal amounts in 2021 and 2022. And non-drafted players can receive no more than 20000 as opposed to 125000 previously before counting wow. against the team's allotment. La, 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 if they go over that. Yeah, it's, that's um, big, man. That's big stuff. Yeah, and so that so those first five rounds, you know, they could still get their typical bonuses, right? But it's it's just split up. It's only a hundred grand this year. So a guy signs yeah. for a million, he gets a hundred grand, and he'd get nine hundred. Yeah. So he'd get four fifty a year in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. Is yeah. that how it works? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's how I read it too. It, yeah. I was just trying to trying to be clear. Yeah, that's they're not gonna get that. They're not gonna get that big lump up the up front and pay for that new house and buy their mamas and daddies a house and all that. Might be good. <laughs> yeah, it might be. You know, good. It's, it might be. Might keep their signing bonuses longer. <laughs> you blow through that first hundred grand and realize it's not monopoly money, and then when they actually start getting the real checks, they, you know, they're a little yeah. more careful with it. And another thing, the one that pissed off Boris, another notable limitation: the signing bonus values associated with each pick will remain at 2019 levels for the next two years. Bonuses typically have risen at about three percent. Those aren't going to rise. So. Again, nobody's going to feel sorry for him, but in the industry, that's a big deal, those things. All right, well, stay tuned. A whole lot more they've got to go over, but at least we know where they stand, and at least we know the players and owners were willing to give a lot to get this done, to get baseball started once they get the the go-ahead. You know, uh, Manfred has said, you know, he hopes to get things going in May, like open training camps, which would allow them to play games in June. I don't think that's really realistic. Just just looking around the country at what's going on right now and how these the curve has not been flattened in so many places. It's still spiking a lot of places. And I don't know how you could play games in one city and, you know, like for instance, New York. You're not gonna play games in New York. No. They're not gonna open training camp and all that. So to me, I don't know about you how what you think, but I think opening camps in June would be optimistic and starting games in July. If you could start before the gotta- July, that'd be great. You got to just keep pitching an optimistic message, but yeah, I think you're yeah. right. It's it's yeah. it's going to be tough, man. I mean, we've been locked down here uh, in Seattle for almost three weeks now, or at least yeah. supposedly. But they keep having to up, you know, the restrictions because too many people aren't following it. Uh, and the last thing you want to do is is start back up and and have another one 
you know, yes. and, and have everything kind yes. of spread again. And Shut then you have to cancel again. the season. That would be terrible. So, I mean, I think you got to wait as long as you have to, but I understand the urgency of getting started because it's a lot of games that need to be played. Uh, it's not easy to plan, but it's really it's harder to predict too. I think you're better off trying to play, waiting till this you know gets yeah. to a reasonable level and playing sixty to eighty games than you are trying to play a hundred and risking having to shut it down again. Well, you, know you can't, I mean? you can't, you cannot yeah. risk having to shut it down again because it's the same process. Then you'd have to have another yeah. spring training in August, exactly. Yeah, and you're having and like that, a twelve game season. <laughs> Somebody pointed out something too. We were talking about where you would have training camps. I think they're going to have to be at the ballparks because can you imagine if they if they if they have to have training camps in say June, you can't do that in Arizona in June. Well, the other How side of it is everybody. Be? Everybody in Arizona keeps their places open because they just steal money for spring training. You know, if if you're signing leases and you own property in Arizona, you know that you want right. those two months of spring training wide open so you can yeah. charge double rent. And then after that, they sign they sign leases and everything. I don't know how it's going to work with so many people, you know, losing yeah. jobs. There'll probably be some apartments open, but uh, it's it, it'd be yeah. it'd be hard to do logistically. You got to just do it in your city, yeah. I think. I think and I think play you, too. you play inter squad for like two weeks and just yeah. roll the guys out there and see what happens. And when they had the strike before, they had some things where like a teams, a couple of teams played each other in a couple of games. You know, kind of like the Braves used to do when they play a team, couple a team here for two games before the regular season, that kind of thing. You might have to do one of some of those. So you got to be creative, no doubt. Well, it's going to be interesting, and it's all unfolding now. But uh, obviously, as as people have pointed out, the virus doesn't follow a timetable. It doesn't care about your plans. Right. So. None. We're at the mercy of that. And uh, so everybody keep washing your hands. Stay at home as much as you can. Uh, I know I've barely left the house since we got home from spring training. So, But I know some people have to leave. And not every job allows them to work at home. So, But if you don't have to be out, don't. Yep. And we'll uh, talk to you guys again next week. Uh, we're going to have... I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to put the name out there right now, just in case it falls through. But we're going to have a very, very <laughs> special guest next week if, they, yep. if this doesn't fall through, and people are going to be thrilled. Let's put it that way. But I, um, I want to thank Kelsey again for being for on one. here. I want to thank yeah, Kelsey awesome. again for being on here. That was really good. Big of her to come on, and brave of her to come on, and and uh, I know she apologized for her emotions. I would have been worse. I would have been a lot worse than that. That's for sure. So I thought it was she handled it great. So yeah, she she almost had me choking up talking about walking on the field for the first time. That's a well, not a lot of people he- get to experience that. It was cool. You didn't hear me talk a couple of times for a couple of minutes, so you know where I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're quiet, something's up. <laughs> All right, hey, thanks a lot, everybody. We appreciate you you listening, and uh, we'll be back next week for two more shows. We were going to cut it back to one, but kind of having some fun there's a lot to talk about and we got some good guests so we'll keep doing it for two for right now all right that's it 755 is real we're out see ya